Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast brought to you by PhantomSports.com. I'm Simon Short. I'm joined today once again by Ronan Summers, who's a writer at Phantom Sports. He's also the co-host of the Iron Grid Podcast. Make sure you guys go check that out. Ronan, what's up, man? How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Man, I'm going, man. We're, we're less than three weeks away now. We're officially three weeks away now from the NFL draft. We're very, very excited about that. We're going to touch on the draft a little bit today. Everybody listening to this, I believe I have narrowed it down. I officially have seven listeners every week. So you seven people out there, one of you might be Ronan. So maybe it's really only six of you. I don't know. Um, Tomorrow night, Ronan and I are hopping on with our buddy, Ben Parker. We are doing a live full first round mock draft. We're, we're both in charge of a couple teams. Um, it's going to get heated. It's going to get competitive. Names will be called. Things will be thrown. Uh, be sure to check that out. I believe that's going to be on Ben's YouTube page, uh, Sports and Money NFL GM. Um, be sure to check that out. Ronan, we're going to go off the rails already, man. This is what we do. How are you feeling? Sounds are you ready for that? I am. I am. I uh, I just dropped in the chat today. I'm looking to trade down. I have the Jets four and ten, and I'm I'm trying to trade down. I, I want a receiver, uh, maybe like a Cooks, maybe a a DK would be nice. But I don't know if <laughs> I get you that. Would, yeah, we're really going off the rails because I, I actually saw that and wanted to talk to you about it. So you would rather trade down and take a veteran receiver after everything we just saw with Devonte adams and tyree kill and stefan diggs just got his contract you'd rather go down and maybe get a guy that's going to be owed that money pretty soon versus at four or ten probably ten more likely just take a, a chris Olave or jahan dotson or you know someone like that at 10 well you know for the jets the nice, specifically this, yeah. is, this is for the jets team the nice thing about the Jets is they have a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. well, I guess maybe not a nice thing. They don't have a whole lot of talent. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's a little. But what I mean, you could go, you know, an Alave, a Burks, uh, Williams. But you could also trade down. My thought process was trade with, let's say, the Texans, 13 mm-hmm. or 14, whatever that pick is, their second mm-hmm. pick. Let's say trade the fourth overall pick for cooks and uh that teen pick mm-hmm. i think that's a pretty good deal you you get wilson a a viable receiver mm-hmm. viable number one target mm-hmm. and then you can uh still add on to your team you yeah because within that top 15 you can still get a top corner and you can still get a good edge rusher i'm looking i'm looking on i'm on over the cap and looking at salaries and yeah the jets jets gotta pay somebody right now they're their big money guys are, are CJ Mosley, Carl Lawson, Corey Davis. So yeah, they've, they've got the money to play with. I see what you're thinking. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Just thought that was fun. So everybody long winded way of saying, check out me and Ronan on that. If you're going to listen to the two of us talk here, you're going to want to see us in action over there with Ben and the others that are involved. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we are going to do kind of a, a full circle discussion on the NFC West Um kind of where we left off with each of these teams at the end of the 2021-2022 season. Going to talk about what they've done so far. We've made it through the meet of free agency. There's a couple strays still out there. 
teams and players probably just waiting for the end of the, the comp period, which I believe is the end of this week, and then maybe seeing what happens in the draft. Um, we're we're going to talk about the draft a little bit, just very surface level stuff, what picks these teams have, what they could be looking to do, and then give our way too early expectations for each of these teams next year. Um, Ronan, you ready, man? I am. I am. Let's right. dive right into it. Let's do it. Well, Ronan, your specialty is the Los Angeles Rams. That's your team. That's who you cover for Phantom Sports. Uh, I also don't know if you heard, but they they recently won a Super Bowl. Um, I didn't. Big deal. Thank you. you should check it out. It was a good game. It was a lot of fun. Um, so let's start off with just where we left off with the Rams. Obviously, yes, they won the Super Bowl. It was very, very exciting. Ronan just had another big sigh of relief. Um they went 12 and five during the season. They won the division. Um, there were some questions at the end of the season when it concerned guys like Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, where were they going to be done being on the field? Um, but ultimately the all in mentality worked out pretty all right. So just where are you? I, I'm sure you're still riding the highs of the Super Bowl, even three, four months later. Where where are you on the Rams and how they finished the season? Well, I mean, there's no better way to finish the season than on top, I guess. You know, uh, I guess the the Super Bowl high has kind of gotten down a little bit because now you're like, okay, well, now we got to look to the next season. It, it pretty much ended right when uh, Bobby Trees got traded away. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah, the honeymoon's over. Yeah, get back yeah, to it. Literally, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I think we're in a good place. Uh, I don't. A lot of I've seen a lot of people say that uh, they're off, the Rams offseason has been a negative net. And I think I don't think it's been a positive because whenever you lose that many players and you only bring in two, it's hard to make that a positive. Now, it does help that the two players you did bring in was Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. But whenever you look at their losses, you know, you lose a right guard, you lose a cornerback too, you, use, you lose your edge rusher. Those are some tough losses that you're going to have to you know, gear up and someone's going to have to step up or you're going to have to make an addition one way or another. Ronan's officially in 22-23 in season over here. I was giving him a whole platform just to talk a little trash, be happy, <laughs> and he just said, nah, we're, we're done with that. So let's get right into segment two of the Rams here. That This is the ins and the outs. Who came in and who is on their way out? So I'm just going to go in order here. Gone are obviously Von Miller, uh, cornerback Darius Williams, Bobby Trees, as you said, Robert Woods, uh, Johnny Hecker is gone. That was the, I think that was the biggest surprise for me. Um, offensive lineman, Austin Corbett, and then everyone's favorite un, unsung hero, rotational defense lineman, Sebastian Joseph Day, who, let me first say this, Charger fans, Ben and I, we created such high expectations for the Chargers last week on our podcast that we said a lot of negative things. Um, we realized that after we did it. I feel bad, and I'm sorry. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, I think, is going to be huge for the Chargers. Uh, Absolutely. Kind of everybody's darling last year. Really started to get his name out there during the playoffs in that rotational role. Could be in a situation where he's stepping into playing consistently to the first two downs every single time and potentially getting in there for some pass rush 
on third down, he can make a big, big difference. So while for the Rams, it might not be like a huge loss because of what his role was, it's a very talented player that can have a good year this year. And they'll miss that rotational aspect of them. But those are the outs. The ins, as you mentioned, are Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. Um, before we talk about the individual players specifically, I just want to talk about how you think this changes the team offensively and defensively. Are we going to see them try and just roll right through into this next year and try to do the same things with, with new faces? Or do you expect some things to change in the way they play because of these uh, roster changes? I think defensively, we're going to see a little bit more of a conservative approach. Uh, whenever you have so many pass rushers, it's easy to get aggressive. I think we're probably going to get back to uh, yeah, well, just a little bit more of a conservative defense, probably not rolling the dice as often. Uh, like you said, Sebastian Joseph Day, that was a that was a tough loss because he was a he was a big piece. He was hurt a lot last year. So mm. we were able to see what life would be like if he were to move, you know, to a different team. Uh, I yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think that was a great pickup for the Chargers. I mean, you you give them Bosa and Mac next to him, that's gonna be that's gonna be scary. He's gonna be able to do his job. But the Rams we had, uh, you know, like you said, it was by rotation. So we've still got some people. We've got Greg Gaines, who took a big step up last year. He kind of mm -hmm. took a similar step as Sebastian Joseph Day did the year prior. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that that's something to hold, you know, hold on to, a little bit of hope. And we also have Ashawn Robinson, who was a fantastic run stopper, which is mm -hmm. something that we do struggle to do. Now with Bobby Wagner, which we'll get to in a bit, you know, that'll obviously help the run game uh, defensively. But I think we're going to be okay at least in the defensive front. That makes a lot of sense about kind of scaling back the, the aggressiveness, and especially not just because you lose a Von Miller and trying to replace him, you're obviously not going to get as good of a pass rusher, but also in the defensive backfield, when you lose your number two corner and you had a pretty good group set up there with, with Ramsey and Fuller and Rapp and then Williams, now when you bring in another corner to do some of that complicated stuff the Rams like to do uh, on their defensive backs, Asking that a new person, whether it's a rookie or whether it's a, a guy who was a rotational guy last year, to to provide that same coverage while tr having, you know, twenty percent, thirty percent less skill at on the pass rush side, that's a lot happening all at one time. So now, if you're saying, "All right, we're going to play it a little bit safer, we're going to be a little more conservative, conservative, we're going to let Bobby Wagner." clean more things up because now our inside linebacker is a much, much better than where it was last year. Um, that, you know, that not as much is going to be asked on that pass rush to coverage ratio. Offensively speaking, um, I want to talk about, let's first talk about the offensive line. Um, is Whitworth officially retired? Did that officially happen? Yes, I believe, I believe he uh, announced it. Because okay. I think he's actually working with the Rams coaching staff now. Okay. I think he's okay. doing something. So I don't think he's completely stepped away, but he's done playing. I, I've learned to be very focused on when the paperwork gets filed. Yeah. You never really <laughs> know until the paperwork. So last year, for example, like after 2020, 2021, the Steelers uh, uh, tight end Vance McDonald retired. And it was very sudden. 
but you learned about it all in one day. It was like Schefter tweeted, Vance McDonald turned it in his retirement paperwork today. Like he didn't even, there wasn't an announcement. There wasn't a tweet. He just walked into the NFL PA building and handed in paperwork and walked out. So I'm very focused on the paperwork these days, which I haven't felt like I've seen, but I think with, with no boom getting his contract, I think that's a pretty tall, you know, telling sign yeah. that, yeah, it's, a, it's official. So between no boom taking over at left tackle, which I know a lot of Rams fans feel very comfortable with, You've written about it, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But then also right guard Austin Corbett kind of out the door with no super clear-cut in-house option to take his place. Can you tell me what you think about where this offensive line is, how they might play differently? And if you know an in-house roster option for that new right guard position, definitely let us know. Yeah, so – it's hard to keep your offensive line you know, together mm-hmm. uh, for an extended amount of time. You know, someone's going to get snatched up eventually. Now, on the bright side, like you said, we have Note Boom stepping up. He played just fine, so I think he'll be able to kind of – he'll he'll be able to hold his own. Uh, left guard, we've still got David Edwards. Brian Allen still at center. Right tackle, still Havenstein. So we're pretty all set up other than right guard. I personally think that Bobby Evans, who I believe was drafted as a tackle, I could be incorrect on that, so don't hold me to it. But I believe he will probably get the first crack at the right guard spot. Now, I would not be surprised at all, and I would probably expect us to draft a guard at some point. We don't have a whole lot of draft capital. You know, shout out the comp- uh, compensatory. Uh, comp- mm-hmm. Can you say that for me? Compensatory. compensatory. Jeez, <laughs> picks. But I think uh, I, I think we'll probably go guard at some point. You know, we've we've got a couple late picks that yep. we like to uh, we like to take shots in the dark. Our draft, our scouts are pretty fantastic. That, that's mm-hmm. why we're able to succeed in the uh, all-in mentality. Is because you know we can still find a star in the fourth round, and we can Especially still find at that a interior. star especially at that interior offensive line, they already get pushed down. You've got guys who are top 10 talents that go in the second round. I mean, last year you had, uh, <laughs> last year you had Creed Humphrey go in the second round and the guy made a pro bowl and completely changed Kansas city's offensive line. Um, this year, there are some really good mid round guard prospects. And the best thing with, with guard and with offensive line in general, unless you're talking about that top 10 franchise tackle, is they don't have to be the most talented individual player. It just has to be a guy that doesn't have any glaring weaknesses and he's going to be physical and he's going to be, you know, do the little things that you need him to do. But because it's not necessarily that star studded talent, they get pushed down in the draft. So, and, and we'll talk about these picks, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of day three picks. There's a third round pick that the Rams have that. Yeah. They'll be able to find somebody but I just I looked him up and yeah, you're Bobby Evans. He's actually, for what it's worth, listed as the the guard on the depth chart on ESPN. So that's yeah. at least who ESPN is kind of projecting. Um, he was drafted as a right tackle. Looks like he started seven games as a rookie in 2019. He did still get one start last year along the offensive line. Only 24 years old, been with the team three years. And my big thing is everyone talks about that zone blocking scheme that they run, that zone running game that comes from the McVay Shanahan offense. And how much can somebody come in and be a part of that and, and learn it? Because it is, you know, a few different steps. It's not just, it's not, you know, run, hit, 
knock guy down. Right. It's, you know, you're following the offense. You're, you're almost running a route based on where you have to go. And then, oh, by the way, you have to hit a 250 pound to 300 pound man <laughs> running full speed at you. Um, so it's not easy. So yeah, Bobby Evans, that's a good place to start. A guy who's been on the team three years has starting experience on this team with this offense. Um, yeah, that's definitely not a bad place to start. And then you draft a guy behind him and, and just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I um, I want to say he started a game, I believe it was the game that I, I went to Chicago for my birthday one year. It was whenever uh, the offensive lineman caught a touchdown against the Rams. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that one, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I believe Evans played right tackle that night and was playing pretty good against Khalil Mack. Okay. So uh, just something to – it's always been in the back of my head. I've always liked him. I've always kind of hoped you – know, Obviously, you you don't want your starters to go down, but I've always hoped he's got he get a crack. So, I'm hoping he gets that right guard spot. Honestly. So so moving from the offensive line because I could talk about that forever, but that's not what people necessarily come here for. Um, <laughs> the the receiving core is obviously where a lot of attention is going to be offensively for this team. So, Odell Beckham Jr. is still technically a free agent. No rush really from anybody just because he's still dealing with that injury who knows when he's going to come back I mean people come back from the ACLs a lot more quickly now but I know that's his second one um so he might be looking to just kind of latch on with someone on a playoff run so we'll see what happens with that um but obviously bringing in Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears who I'm sure even though he's he's up there in age now is very excited to finally play with a, a good quarterback um and in a good offensive system and, you know, Robert Woods, who was a big part of this culture change and, and what made these wide receivers great for the Rams, he's gone. Um, but you still have Van Jefferson kind of waiting in the wings. So does this team kind of just like smoothly slide right into to Robinson, Cup and Jefferson and, and don't really think anything of it? Or do you think there's going to be kind of a transitional, weird kind of period for this group? Yeah, I've. I've tried thinking about that question a lot as of late because on paper it looks great you know you got Allen Robinson to a lot of fans comparing Allen Robinson to Woods you they would probably at least some would argue that Robinson is better you know so some could view it as an upgrade but like you said Woods did so much for that off for the offense and you gotta have a guy on this offense that's bought in you know you got to have a guy that's okay with blocking okay with having cooper cup go for 300 or van jefferson you know have a day so i don't think the rams would have pulled the trigger on robinson if they didn't believe that he would be bought in because whenever you look at their acquisitions they don't really there hasn't been one that hasn't panned out I'm knocking on wood, but, <laughs> you know, uh, Marcus, even go back to uh, Marcus Peters and Keeb Tlaib. Though, though that was a pretty, that, those were good acquisitions. You know, it resulted in Jalen Ramsey, which was a better one, but I, it'll probably take some time, maybe two or three weeks to really get the groove going, but I don't think it'll be too much of a rocky start. And when you when you think about the way this team plays and yeah, the the blocking and the extra things that are asked of them, hopefully Allen Robinson kind of, and I think this is the idea, 
he kind of takes that like Odell Beckham Jr. What he was doing last year, he kind of came in, had to learn, kind of slowly hop on the moving train, kind of play more that X receiver where it's, hey, you kind of just stay, you know, back here. We'll do all this dirty, nasty stuff over here until you really get into it. You just run your routes and catch balls. And that's kind of what Odell was doing. And again, Van Jefferson, um, who's been in the system for a little while and has has been with this team and, and kind of knows what it's about already. Maybe he can take more of that Robert Woods role where he's, you know, sometimes he's in the slot, sometimes he's at Z just going deep. Um, but he's the one that's stepping up and making the blocks and doing the dirty work. Um, so yeah, in terms of as fans kind of trying to say, well, we lose Robert Woods, but we get Allen Robinson. That's great. Um, or if, yeah, they're not really paying that much attention to Jacksonville and Chicago and they're like, ah, he's not very good. Uh, maybe think of it more in that. Okay. Think of what Odell did last year, just being a good route runner and ball catcher. And then Van Jefferson can kind of be this blocking guy. So specifically with, with Jefferson, because I know, like in the Super Bowl, for example, and it's just a small mm-hmm. example, but this happened a couple of times last year when Odo went down and was hurt. In my head, I was like, oh, Van Jefferson's going to get a lot of targets. And that's not really what happened. I know he had one drop and maybe it, it was Stafford just didn't feel like he could take it. But Stafford had that one pass to Skoranek or two passes to Skoranek yeah. that both failed miserably. I think there was one yeah. Skoranek was wide open over the middle and the ball was a little high, but he couldn't track it down. And then he had the drop that ended up being a tip up and interception. But I was like, why is Skaronic getting these passes and not Jefferson? So where are fans at on Jefferson? Where do you think he can slide into this offense? Is he that Robert Woods kind of replacement or or should he be looking to do something different? I hope so, man. I hope so. You know, he came into the league and uh, I remember the top thing all you heard about was from Jefferson was his route running. Mm-hmm. You hear how, how refined his route running is, how he's able to you know, beat set the secondary. He doesn't have the, you know, I guess Tyree kill speed. He, he's still young. I, I don't want to like say he doesn't have hands. Cause he does. He, he's, he, he's a wide receiver in the NFL, you know? But I think he can develop into a Robert Woods-esque player. You know, he's still young enough to where we still have – I don't want to speak for all Rams fans, but I have hope for him still. Uh, I think he can – I think he can be a – I hope he can be a a premier target in five years, you know, because whenever this era of Los Angeles is over, you know, because it's going to happen. You know, Stafford's going to hang him up. Donald's going to hang him up. They won't be around forever. So hopefully we can still have the core pieces, you know, like Jefferson hopefully will become one. And he can stick around and kind of teach the young ones how to uh, how to win one. Definitely. And then what's up with Tutu Atwell? Uh, that's a name uh, that, I mean, second round pick, I know is kind of, I don't want to say joke there yeah. a little bit but that was kind of a confusing one we'll say people were confused when that pick happened um I mean last year uh goodness a return man I don't even see where where his receiving numbers yeah. are he was pretty much just thrown out here as a returner so so is he somebody that could come into this offense and maybe make some noise in the second year or is everyone just kind of like don't count on that we'll see what happens 
you know, we drafted him and I talked myself into it because originally I want I want to say that there was another wide receiver available. I can't think of who it was. Uh, I, I was like, if we take receiver, I want him. I think he was mm-hmm. taking a couple picks either before or after. Uh, but we ended up with Atwell. I was like, okay, like it's like kind of like Tavon Austin, except now we have Sean McVay. Like, well, let's get it going. You know, maybe we can get something working here. And you know, Atwell, he's he dealt with a shoulder injury. I want to say it was a shoulder injury last year mm-hmm. that kept him out for. I think it kicked him out for the season. And uh, you know, that was a little bit disappointing, but. He's a small guy. It's kind of what you expect. Injuries will be an issue. But he's got the speed. Hopefully he can learn a thing or two from, you know, Cup, Robinson, Jefferson, Stafford, you know, and just kind of be a sponge and then be able to produce. Because I I think if you threw him, let's say he was healthy all last year, I don't know how much he would have produced just because it's hard for a a 5'9", 165 pound rookie to go out and make a huge difference whenever his main role is to just be a Deshaun Jackson, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I hope he pans out, you know, but there's that chance that he might not. I, I saw on Twitter, I want to say he tweeted the other day, uh, some about how he's noticed the doubters and he's, you know, he's ready to show them up. So, by all means. <laughs> yeah, do it. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, everybody Absolutely. wants it. Um flipping back over the to the defense real quick before we get into the draft stuff. For for Von Miller and Darius Williams, we talked about like what the replacement might be in theory, just like not quite as talented, have to kind of help them out. Are there any internal pieces that are already on the roster that you kind of have as potentially like, okay, going into camp, this is the guy or is there really nobody and you're like, this is something that needs to still be addressed? I don't think there's for both positions, edge and corner too. Uh, I don't think it's solidified, but I think that there are a couple of guys in each group that could make the step up for the edge group. Uh, I think Terrell Lewis or Justin, Justin Hollins could definitely take that step up to line up across okay. from Floyd. Uh, Lewis came out of Alabama. He was, I, I really liked him. Uh, I was really excited about that pick because he, I want to say he was, I can't remember what round we got him in. I'm sorry, but uh, he was a fantastic edge rusher for Alabama. Yeah. And he's shown some signs uh, in the NFL, but he hasn't produced any, nothing eyebrow raising. Uh, yeah. Justin Hollins, I personally would want him to potentially end up with that spot because Mm -hmm. his uh what's the word he's dynamic uh he can he can pass or he can rush the passer and he can also drop back so i think he would be a he would be good in like disguise packages you know lining up on the line of scrimmage and then dropping back or rushing the pass whatever you want to have him do i think he can do uh because last year we saw a little bit uh, Von Miller dropping back, which yeah. as a, I don't know how much I'd want him dropping back into coverage. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of want Von Miller to go after the quarterback every chance he can. Right. But I, I think with a guy like uh, Justin Hollins, you can kind of, you can call that with a little more comfortability. Yeah. 
I think with a lot of the stuff, and especially kind of like we talked about with with the receivers, the way the Rams do things is very specific. And the way they play their defense is very specific. So the better you can have some in-house options, even if they're not quite the talent that you want to be like a long-term starter or even your starter when the season starts, but to know that there's somebody there who it's who as a coach is very important when it comes to coaching, there's someone I feel comfortable with. There's someone I can put out there and no matter what sport it is, if, if someone on your bench that you're like, I know if I put them in, they're going to at least do the right thing. Is it always going to be at the talent that we need to, to win? Maybe not, but they're not going to go in and completely not know where they are. So a guy like Hollins, who I think has some starting experience, not really any starting experience with the Rams, um, but been in the league three years, been on the Rams for two years, you know, just from that, hey, I'm comfortable with this guy. And exactly. I looked up your guy, Terrell Lewis, third round pick out of Alabama. When you're a defensive player, you get drafted day one or day two coming from Alabama. There's something there. Um, exactly. It'll be very, very interesting to see what they kind of decide to do with that. Um, at corner, I looked up these other names. You got David Long. Um, who was another third-round pick by this team. And, and we know this team knows how to use those mid-round picks. Um, the other guy is Grant Haley, who wasn't a name that stood out to me. He's actually an undrafted guy, um, but it's going to be his fifth year in the league. Um, just, you know, a lot of names. There's a lot of names, and this is what happens, and we're going to get into this now. But when you're a team that has all of these mid-round picks these day three picks and you can get guys at least on the team to stick because day three guys you you draft them and usually it's special teams practice squad and we'll see how they develop and the fact that the rams have these guys drafted third fourth sixth undrafted come in and stick around uh is a pretty good sign like you said if they're scouting so with that let's talk about the draft a little bit segment number three here what can they do in the draft? They have seven day three picks, um, including a fourth and a fifth. So that's a good sign. They also have a third round pick. So they don't have anything in the first two rounds, but they still have a day two pick, which is good. You can definitely get an NFL starter in that sense. What are you kind of, whether it's expecting, hoping, um, or thinking will happen with these picks? What are they going to kind of address um, and you know, maybe a little, we don't have to get into specific players, but in terms of like, where do they need the most value? Where do they need that that day two pick, that one third rounder? What does that maybe need to be? I would say that day or that round three pick would have to be either a right guard or corner. Um, now, okay, my wish list is trade up for a top seventy five pick because whenever you look at the Rams roster, a lot of my, I would say 20 positions on, on the you know, offense and defense are solidified, you know, chalk it up. Mm-hmm. So we need to finish out the rest of the starting lineup and then mm-hmm. start looking for depth. We have the picks to trade up. I, I think if you package a 104, a 175 and a sixth round pick, you'll get a top 75 pick, you know? And I, I as long as, you know, there's someone there that you want. Uh, pull the trigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't have anybody in mind for that top 75 pick. So this is just purely me hoping that we get a top 100 player. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but uh, that that that's pretty much number one on my wish list. Now for the needs, I I've only got three. 
I've got right guard, cornerback two, and edge because those are the only things that I see as a need. Um, now, like I said, I think Bobby Evans could step up and play just fine. So, and I think David Long or Robert Rochelle could step up and play well at cornerback too. Uh, Rochelle is a little bit of a, like a lankier corner. He mm-hmm. He's an interesting uh, prospect for sure. But, you know, it's so hard to uh, to try to predict what the Rams are going to do because if you told me that we took Tutu Atwell with our first pick last year, blow my mind. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I guess that's just the league we're in now. If the team likes the dude, they're going to pick him, regardless of if they you know, need him or not. Yeah. I would go, I'd, I'd say probably corner. Corner with the first pick and then line with the second. Yeah, that makes sense. And, those, I mean, those, yeah, those are the positions I have for them. I mean, that's – but as you mentioned and as you talked about, there there's an in-house person – who's still young, who's been with the team for a couple of years at each of those spots, guard, edge rusher, and corner, um, which is obviously a good sign. And then actually the third the third position I had, still even above corner that I wrote down was punter. Um, Johnny Hecker's gone. And like, you know, let's say it broke. a little jokingly, but like when you have when you have the best punter in the league, that's valuable. That's a, that's a big deal. That's, Absolutely. you know, it's punters two through 20 are probably pretty interchangeable now if you have punters 21 through 32 that's probably pretty bad um but punter number one that's that's a big deal i mean is this could could we see third round matt what's his name areza from from the school out in california (laughs) if so if they spend their only day one or two pick you you would take him in the third round absolutely that dude's a weapon (laughs) Now, see, I believe we signed Riley Dixon. Uh, he was a giant. former giant. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that kind of ruined that dream because I was like, yeah, screw it. We'll go punter with 104. Like, defending Super Bowl champions. How many positions <laughs> do we really need? You're, you're the new no. Patriots. You're Patriots West. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a little Al Davis mixed in. But <laughs> he, uh, all right, we, uh, Johnny Hacker leaving broke my heart. Because you don't realize how how important the punting position is until you have a good one, you know? Because mm-hmm. whenever you find yourself cheering on fourth downs for your punter, that, that's, uh, well, that was one of the weirdest realizations. Like, okay, I am really, really hyped up, high-fiving, you know, my friends over a punt. And that, that's just whenever you see – you know, a, a top, like you said, one, top five even, you mm-hmm. know, punter in the league, you realize how important special teams is, I guess. So, and that, his so passing that, ability. Come on now, fakes. Yeah, I mean, he was basically your backup quarterback. Absolutely. Um, when, it com- when it comes to the punt, I mean, yeah, the special teams aspect is just so important. And, I mean, we saw that with, with the Green Bay Packers, right? Kind of kind of fall into the 49ers, oh, yeah. so we're, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But – let's say let's say the defense this year like you said it's not going to be the same or might not be the same like aggressive playmaking kind of defense right that defense that when when it came down to it in the Super Bowl got four sacks and like eight plays and that's basically what won them the game when your defense can't necessarily do that and you have a good defense an average defense 
they really rely on on field advantage, right? So oh yeah, let's say let's say the the Rams go three and out on opening kickoff opening day, and they have the ball at the twenty five yard line, and Johnny Hecker's punting that ball, like you said, that was like that ball is going to be on the fifteen, and that team's going to have to drive even further than we were going to have to drive. Yeah, that's that's an advantage. Now those punters, let's say let's say it's five to twenty, are just the good punters. That punt is going to be they're going to start at their 25 30 yard line not bad but it's still an advantage it's still plus even or plus field advantage than what the rams just had now if you're the if you're in the bottom 10 punters that thing's going <laughs> to the 45 and, and you're screwed yeah so yeah i mean i mean we're we're kind of kidding we're half joking about it but this punter i mean we wouldn't be talking about him if you he, he's going to be special whatever whatever he ends up doing and uh yeah i mean hey the, the best teams can draft punters and specialists um all right so with all that like you said you know kind of, you can look at guard you can look at corner you can look at edge but luckily since you don't have a pick till the third round you <laughs> at least have some in-house options for that so with all that said what are your expectations for for this team this year I mean the NFC week by week is kind of dropping off and losing some competition so I mean yeah. your expectations have to be pretty high what do you think this team can or will do and again you don't have to give me a specific number or anything we're still very early but just in terms of better worse the same competing still where do you have them shoot you know what i'm gonna go ahead and run it back why not all right they were yelling it from the rooftops at the parade why not why not say run it back i, I do think they'll compete though I, I think them the bucks maybe the niners depending on how that situation goes mm -hmm. and probably the packers are kind of the lead horses in the nfc race and everyone else is just holding on <laughs> trying to make the wild card yep yep all right so yeah competing still so let's use that that is a great segue we're, we're gonna skip ahead here a little bit in the outline i gave you but let's go right into the 49ers um a team that's so interesting because of who they haven't lost um but we're gonna start with where we left off in 2021 uh so they went 10 and 7 they lost in the conference championship game to the rams uh, obviously had that great divisional round to feed up the Packers, which was huge. Um, they started two and four last year. It looked like it was going to be another rough year, but they won four of their last five and were just steady the rest of the way to finish 10 and seven. I think this team is better than we remember how quickly we forget these things in the last three years. So the last three football seasons, they've gone 29 and 20, and that's with an injury riddled year in the middle. They made it to two NFC championship games, one Super Bowl. And in those two years, their last loss of the season, which was the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game, they lost by a combined 14 points. So this team has been right there for two of the last three seasons, um, and they're kind of not super talked about. Gone from last year's team are running back Raheem Mostert, uh, offensive lineman Lakin Tomlinson, uh, defensive lineman DJ Jones, corner Kwan Williams, and tackle Tom Compton. Those last three are kind of just rotational pieces. Um, in our kick and punt returner, Ray Ray McLeod, who I could talk about for a while for sure. Corner Charvarius Ward, another guy I love, um, and safety George Odom. But of course, the big thing is Jimmy G is still in town. Where are you at from how this team kind of left last season and then what they have or haven't done this offseason? I guess to an extent, I understood why they took Lance, but 
I've always thought Jimmy G was kind of, should be their guy. I mean, they're a rival, so like, you know, go get Connor Cook or something. I don't, I don't care, but you know, I, I thought Jimmy G has been a serviceable when healthy quarterback. Uh, he's clearly gotten them to great places, places that they probably wouldn't have gone with, I'd say, 20 other guys in the league, mm-hmm. you know? So I would stick with Jimmy, to be honest. Uh, there have been a lot of reports. I don't want to say a lot, but there have been reports that Lance hasn't looked up to par mm-hmm. here on pace uh because even in like like Mahomes this is a terrible example because you don't want to compare it but Mahomes everyone first else is doing it we'll just do it here. exactly That's fine. <laughs> Mahomes first year you know people were coming out of the Chiefs practices like okay this dude's gonna be a dude he's, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna be our guy I don't think the it's the same tune the same song with Trey Lance for whatever reason uh I really like him as a prospect. Yeah, I think he can succeed. He's got a rocket arm, stupid mobility. So I think he, he has the tools to be successful, but I think why would you switch things up right after going to the NFC championship? You know, what is there really to gain? Do you really think that Trey Lance is going to get you to the Super Bowl this year? Or do you want to just kind of go with the safer option and have a, Super Bowl opportunity with Jimmy Garoppolo again. That, that's just kind of where my head's at. I, I've bounced around. Uh, but I, I guess as far as the San Francisco quarterback situation, that's kind of where I'm at. Really interesting because what we we just saw the Rams do this exact same thing. They had a quarterback who was decent on paper, not quite as good on film. And Jimmy Garoppolo is better than than Jared Goff. Don't get me wrong. But with both of them, they're still limited in what they're going to do compared to the Mahomeses and the Josh Allens. And even the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the ability to extend the play, make something out of nothing, have a cannon arm do something. Now, Jimmy thinks he can do that. Um, and, and in some past episodes I've done, we've kind of talked about that. And I think even you and me might have done it on our quarterback pod that week. But he thinks he can do those things, which I guess, at least compared to Goff, it is nice. You have someone that's going to try and have the confidence in himself to do those things. But what Trey Lance brings you is that ability to take that extra step up. And that's the difference with the with the pre-Stafford Rams and, hey, make, you know, get to one Super Bowl. Hey, compete for some playoff competitions, which is where, you know, the, the 49ers have kind of been. And that's the difference between that and okay let's we could win three or four in the next 10 years um now that's all a projection which is the hard thing now part of why shanahan's such a good coach is he can coach around who his players are same thing that mcveigh was doing with golf but again jimmy's a little bit better than golf so obviously you're gonna have a little more success and yeah he's just not going down without a fight the, the biggest thing i kept seeing all over all of last year from the time they drafted lance to the end of the season is jimmy's like Whatever happens, happens, man. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to – it's the opposite of Wentz and Hurts in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's like, hey, if I get traded or, or released because they really like this guy, cool, man, good for him. I'm happy for him. I'll be all right. But I'm going to play my game, and I'm going to be fine. And that's that's what happened, and it did put them in this awkward situation where it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people in that 49ers front office in the very back and depths of their hearts and souls and minds were saying – 
kind of hope we lose in the first round. That way, the thing I said we should do last year in terms of drafting Trey Lance comes to fruition and we can just get rid of Jimmy and do that. And Jimmy's not going to go down without a fight and really just let him do it. So, I mean, I think either way, if they make the move to go with Lance, it's going to be a good sign, I think, because they've held on to Jimmy this long that they don't feel like they have to get rid of him. But I think if he's there and they still go with Lance, then that means, hey, no, we believe in what Lance is going to do. So I think either way at the quarterback position, they're they're kind of set. We have so many teams talking themselves into one of these quarterbacks in the draft because they're in a bad quarterback situation. And the Niners are like, oh, we got we got two guys we, we kind of like. We have that guy that we know is going to produce. We have that guy that we don't know how high his ceiling could be because, yeah, it could be, you know, to – the sky's the limit for him. Um, some of these smaller moves, I'm not too worried about. Raheem Mostert is out, but, I mean, he got hurt last year right at the beginning of the year. Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon for them are, are going to carry that load with no problem. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, uh, that's a little worrisome, I think. Yeah. Let me go over to my other sheet here and see if I – I didn't have anybody that really stuck out to me in terms of in-house options to take his spot. Um they bring in my guy, Ray Ray McLeod, who I hope they didn't bring him in as a receiver, even though he tries his hardest and is, uh, I mean, he's not the worst option in the world, but I'm sure it's his kick and punt return tape that, that got them interested. Um, but again, not just, just this is going to be the same team for the most part. Um, with the rest of their roster, is there anything you really like or don't like, or, or see a real need to, to change or, or still go do? Uh, I think guard would probably be their biggest uh, position mm. of need. Uh, I really like the uh, Trevarius Ward edition. Well, yes. hated it, but I like it for them. <laughs> uh, I think he'll be a, a good number yes. one corner for him. Absolutely. That defense um, is scary as hell looking at it. I don't like that. <laughs> Wait, I, I think guard, maybe corner, maybe a second corner just to sure it up. But I mean, I think guard is really the only glaring, uh, glaring hole. And that's, I'm going to pull up my snap count. Oh, wait, no, let me just go over here to over the cap. They, the, the corners that they played last year was scary. Um, Josh Norman took their most defensive <laughs> snaps at cornerback last year. And if, if you're someone that's actually listening to this pod, you know what that means. And it's not, it's not good. Um, so with that going from just like huge question marks all the time that you're constantly going to be worried about for this team to go to Charvarius Ward, who I've talked about with Ben Parker, who's a Kansas city guy. It's a, it's a big upgrade. Charvarius Ward is a, a good corner. He's, he has the athleticism and the smarts and the know-how to stick with anybody. He's not an elite athlete, size, speed, strength-wise, like a Jalen Ramsey who is a threat to do anything at any time between an interception, a forced fumble, breaking up any pass. But Ward's a good player, and he's extremely physical. He's a very good tackler in the run game. Um, and, yeah, guy I personally just love. So the fact that their number one corner last year was basically Josh Norman and their defense was the way it was. And now their number one corner is Charvarius Ward. Yeah. I mean, whoever else they're going to put out there, 
probably going to be just fine. Something I'm not too, too worried about. The guard thing, so I just looked it up again. Take it for what it's worth, ESPN's um, kind of tracker for this. But Colton McKivitz is the guy that they have slated um, as taking that guard spot over, at least as of right now. Let me do a quick check on him. 49ers drafted him in the fifth round in the 2020 draft. He's made four starts in his two years so far. Definitely a guy that, yeah, you're going to want to look to upgrade when it comes time for the draft. Um, with them in the draft, they have nine total picks, which is definitely nice. Uh, three of them on day two, which is really good. No first rounder. Um, and then everything else, yeah, is uh, on day three. So, yeah, that's where I, where I had them. Offensive line, defensive backs, just continue to add talent to those positions because right now there's not a lot. It's kind of, you know, I don't think they have quite as many of those internal options that have been around as, say, the Rams do at those positions. Um, but they have some pieces there, and now it's just about, hey, let's just kind of get more talent, more bodies in there. So with that, uh, what are your kind of expectations for this team? You, you And you can have two different answers if you want to cheat and say if they go Lance or if they go Jimmy G. Um, but what, where do you think this team is going to be in terms of comparing to last year? I mean, are they going to go up, which, again, would be hard to do because they made the NFC Championship game. Do you see them backsliding kind of the same? Where, where are you? What are you thinking for them? I could see them relatively in the same area if they stick with Garoppolo. Um, and I, I'm not saying that they can't still be where they were last year with Lance. It's just, it's so hard. You know, you, you can't predict uh, a quarterback's, how a quarterback's first year will go. But I, I think they can, I think their ceiling is NFC championship. And I think their floor is probably narrowly missing the playoffs. So take that as you will. It, I think they'll be a good team. Uh, the NFC, like you said earlier, it, it's not that stacked anymore. It, you kind of got some pieces leaving. So it, it's almost it's almost fair game now uh, for a lot of these NFC teams. I think really any any team in the NFC West, probably aside from the Seahawks, could go for a run which we'll get to them in a little bit and i'll give a little more of a specified uh prediction but uh, the nfc west well last year was the toughest division in football afc west has that by far now but <laughs> i think uh i think it'll still be a dog fight and i think you'll see a lot of series split uh which will play a role you know at, at the end so i think i think 49ers will probably be around the same spot they were. Just because I'm a nerd, I just want to hit these defensive backs again. So uh, Kwan Williams, who is the corner that left in free agency, he went to Denver. He was their corner with the second most snaps per over the cap and pro football reference. Um, so yeah, corner number two is definitely something for them to take a look at. Um, they did re-sign somebody who played about a third of the snaps and I believe Emmanuel Mosley, played just under Kwan Williams, and it seems like he's still around. So that could be an internal option. The other name that we haven't really mentioned in terms of notable free agents, Jaquiski Tart, their safety is still a free agent, but they did bring in George Odom from the Colts, who had a really strong end of the year last year. I remember he was a guy that he had a couple interceptions in the last couple regular season games and special teamer and everything. So maybe that's someone that they're, they're bringing in to kind of take that spot. So We'll see. We'll see what kind of happens. But again, when 
they were rolling with uh, Josh Norman playing their most snaps at corner last year, and they moved upgraded him to Charvarius Ward. I think they'll be fine. Let's hit the team that you just referenced, the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously a very strange year, obviously a very big and interesting offseason for them, um, something we haven't seen them have to do in a long, long time. And that's kind of start over, kind of rebuild. So yeah. where we left off in 2021, seven and 10, obviously a disappointing year. That injury to Russell Wilson, for he was out for three games in the middle of the season. But really, even when he came back, felt like it took three or four games to really show um, that old Russell Wilson, or at least the current Russell Wilson that, that we do know, um, gone. And then obviously, you know, he got traded. So gone are him. Bobby Wagner, who we talked about, DJ Reed, who's one of their top corners last year, uh, rotational lineman Ethan Posick, tight end Gerald Everett, in quarterback Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fant, all guys that got in that trade for Russell Wilson, um, Austin Blythe, who you might be able to talk about a little bit, a center who was with the Chiefs last year, but with the Rams before that, um, and then kind of just rotated out some, some edge rushers and, and defensive linemen and stuff like that. But really for them, obviously the big question is still at quarterback. Um, is this a full tank or rebuild? I was really expecting them to be in the the Baker, the Jimmy G, the, you know, when it was kind of up in the air, the Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan even, or, you know, one of these veteran quarterbacks that's kind of out there, everyone really thought that they were going to go with one of them. Are they just going to roll with Drew Locke for the year? Are they going to draft somebody with the ninth overall pick? Um they need a new left tackle. Uh, what is this? What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing here? You know, I take it as a rebuild. Uh, shoot. Yeah, I'm looking at their roster right now. Uh, that offensive line is going through it for sure. Um, I, I never had the, uh, the roster in front of me, but I can kind of see why uh, Russ was a little unhappy. And, and they haven't made – so this is my thing. I was going through this yesterday. As, I, as all seven of you listeners know, I, I love digging into the offensive line. I don't think it's going to be very different. Um, they re-signed – let me pull this up real quick. They re-signed uh, Kyle Fuller, the center, who he, he started the first, I think, like six or seven games at center last year, and then he got benched for Posick, but they re-signed him this year. They have Gabe Jackson – uh, who they traded for last offseason. He was part of that fire sale from the Raiders offensive line, um, and he started 16 games. Um, they still have uh, Damian Lewis at guard. He started 13 games last year. Right tackle Brandon Shell from last year, who he played the first 10 games, um, and then he went on IR. He's still a free agent, but Jake Curhan who is a, a young guy who was undrafted, but he's been uh, in the league for about three years now. He started their last five games at tackle and, and played well. It seems like he's kind of slated to be that new right tackle. But left tackle, yeah. I mean, first off, that's not very good, right? But they right. didn't really make any changes. They're bringing the same group back, it seems like. The fact that they went back out and brought back Kyle Fuller, who they benched, is a little strange. Um could Austin Blythe kind of be in competition with him? Like, hey, Fuller, we brought in this veteran who has been in this division. He kind of knows what this is about. 
Um, and then left tackle was like wide open hole. Dwayne Brown, who still had a good year last year, even at 37, he went to the Pro Bowl. He had a pretty good ranking on PFF. Um, he's in talks with the Carolina Panthers. There was a report two weeks ago, and it seems like maybe he's waiting to see which of those teams drafts a left tackle or a quarterback. Those in the top 10, both those teams are, and that's kind of like Charles Cross and uh, Malik Willis are the two names you see mocked to each team. So is he just waiting to see which one gets picked or are the teams waiting to see who they get in the draft? Yeah, the offensive line's weird. Tell, tell me a little bit about Blythe if you can. Just Is, is he done? Like he didn't play at all for the Chiefs last year is, uh, or is he going to be kind of pushing Fuller for a starting job? I enjoyed his time on the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I viewed him as a solid offensive line, you know, not a weakness. Yeah. So whenever he left, I was a little disappointed, but I was like, ah, he's going to the Chiefs. I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't. And then they I draft Creed, Creed Humphrey. Yeah. And he just is on his butt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I expect him to start. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do up front. They could use left tackle, left guard, right tackle. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so shoot, you, you could move them to guard if you wanted to and have uh, Island play center if you want mm-hmm. or Elon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In turn, so just in terms, let's, because I can see we're going to get into the weeds of this offensive line and we don't, we don't need to spend that much time doing that because they are going right. to win five games this year either way. But <laughs> this, I mean, they traded Wilson and, and like we talked about, they didn't go get a Baker. They didn't go get a Jimmy. Are they just going to roll with Drew Locke? Is that kind of the expectation right now? Or is, are, are they just kind of waiting to see what happens? Because those guys are still available. Like we said, Jimmy G is still on the 49ers. Baker Mayfield is still, I guess, on the Browns, even though he'll never step foot in there again. Like, <laughs> This is a very weird situation. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, what, so what are your expectations? I mean, we can kind of, because I haven't really done too much else. I mean, defensively, Bobby Wagner is out, but um, uh, Jordan Brooks had a really, really good year last year. So I think they're kind of just like, yeah, he'll just take the Bobby Wagner role and then we'll roll with, you know, whatever's left. But this team has eight picks overall, four combined picks in day one and day two, including the ninth overall uh pick but they have a lot of needs quarterback left tackle like we've mentioned linebacker whether it's an edge rusher or middle linebacker to play next to brooks even corner i mean we talked about dj reed left between all of that i mean we kind of are rolling all three segments into one but between where this team left off what they have in the building now and i guess we're bringing in the fourth segment like what are your expectations for like what they do the rest of the way and what this year kind of looks like yeah, this roster is so wacky. Um, because Locke, well, I'll just go ahead and start here. Locke, he's young enough to give him a chance. You know, mm-hmm. if you if Carol or whoever's calling the offensive shots uh, likes what they see in Locke, and yeah, I don't really care about his accuracy issues. He's got a cannon. You know, we'll, we'll get him right. Then, I mean, I guess they've got a chance. Like you said, I, I'm expecting like a six or seven win season i would i wouldn't be surprised if metcalf or lockett are moved before the off season that would which would be a, a terrible loss for their offense yeah they, they're already kind of uh 
dealing with the scraps, but man. Yeah, so I talked about last week. I mean, if you want to help a young quarterback, especially one who doesn't have the best accuracy, get him some receivers that can make in-air adjustments, that can make contested catches. Um, I talked about this last week with Ben, but with the Broncos, everyone talked about how good their skill players can be with an elite quarterback. That was the whole thing the last two years with with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, if Rodgers goes to Denver and he's got Sutton and Judy and Hamler and all of this, this team is going to be great. But what about the flip side of it where can your skill guys elevate the play of your quarterback? So there's a world, I think, and I know all these DK Metcalf rumors are kind of resurfacing after they did right when the season ended. But there's a world where they keep all their skill guys and they brought back Rashad Penny. Um, they still have Chris Carson. We'll see if he's healthy. But there's a world where they're like, hey, we're just going to let this offensive line gel together for another year. Maybe we bring back Brown. Maybe we get a franchise left tackle in the draft. We have good skill players. We basically went from Gerald Everett to Noah Fant at tight end. And it's a tight end who is already supposed to be your quarterback security blanket. But we're bringing him along with Locke. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. Would it be the most shocking thing in the world if this team didn't even do anything else with quarterback <laughs> and said we're going to try out Drew Locke for a year? No, I think the only thing that makes it surprising is you mentioned him, Pete Carroll. This guy does not want to lose. This guy was very unhappy last year. This guy's in his seventies. I can't imagine he plans on sticking around for a full rebuild all that no. much longer. No, I, I'm right there with you. It's going to be – do you think they go quarterback? And who are their options? You know, Baker, Jimmy G, is is San Fran really going to trade a guy who took him to the NFC Championship to a division rival? Now, see, so yeah, it's either Malik Willis, maybe Kenny Pickett, or Baker is really their only option. Or Drew Locke, which, you know, at this point, I could see a scenario where they just stick it out with Drew Locke. You know, which if they do that, I don't know where the hell Baker's going to go. I'm sure as a Steeler fan, you're just, well, that's probably not the most fun because of his replacement, but you've got to at least be enjoying a little bit Baker. uh, Honestly, when it it comes to Baker as a Steeler fan, I'm so indifferent. I don't really care. That's fair. Even even with, you know, 2020 ending the way it did, or 2020, 2021, and in the way it did with the last regular season game, losing to the Browns and then them beating the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah, it's upsetting, but I'm not, I'm not worried about the Browns. Let's have, let them win some playoff games before I really care about the Browns. I remember in 2018 when they drafted Baker and brought in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and everyone was like, oh, this offense is going to be legit. And I was like, guys, it's the Browns. Let's, they've had these kind of things before. We're just going to move on. Um I mean, do I think Baker in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett would be fun? Maybe. But again, we saw Baker with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, and it didn't go that well. So my my own philosophy when it comes to quarterbacks in the draft is don't draft one just to draft one. You know, just just wait until there's one that you really want. And after the, the Saints and Eagles trade, um, Field Yates tweeted this on April 4th, and, and I started a conversation with it basically this is the list of teams that have multiple first round picks in the 2023 draft is the dolphins the eagles the lions the seahawks the texans those are maybe the five top teams that i'd expect by next year to be ready to move on from their quarterback 
Tua, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Drew Locke, I guess, is who we'll put for the Seahawks, and then Davis Mills. Or in terms of maybe not they'll be ready by then, but that's kind of their timeline for, okay, is Tua it? Is Jalen Hurts it? Is Davis Mills it? They're gonna, those teams are going to know by then if their young quarterback on a rookie contract is the guy that they're going to give a second contract to or if it's someone they need to be ready to move on from. And the Seahawks are on that list. And that, to me, because of next year's quarterback class, where I've been talking about for the Steelers, and really any team should be doing that this year, we're all talking ourselves into these five quarterbacks in this year's draft, but it's because there's no one else to talk about. This is what happens every year. We talk ourselves into whatever quarterback is there to now, you know, back in January, everyone said it was a bad quarterback class. Yeah. But now it's April 7th or three weeks away from the draft and people have four quarterbacks going in the first round of their mock drafts. And it's like, it's what happens every single year. Whereas next year, we're already talking about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going to be top five picks and franchise quarterbacks. And that's, those are the guys you want, the guys who we're talking about two years in advance, not the yeah. guys we just come around on in April. Um, so for the Seahawks, if, if they get to nine and... Evan Neal, Ikea Kwanu, and Charles Cross are all off the board. And, you know, Trevor Penning, there's some guys that love him. There's some guys that, you know, technically are kind of worried about him. If they get to nine and let's say all five quarterbacks are there and let's say Trevor Penning is there, I won't be surprised with either direction. I guess I'd be a little more inclined to say go with Malik Willis because what else are you playing for this year anyway? So just sit him right. down coach him, coach him, coach him, coach him, and hope that his second season he's ready to go. But he has a lot of work to do. I don't know much about what Seattle has in terms of, you know, their their quarterback's coach or their system for doing that sort of stuff because they they brought in, a, a you know, Russell Wilson, and he was pro-ready day one. So we haven't seen them have to take a young quarterback and develop him. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, but I won't be surprised with anything. If if they trade for Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield tomorrow, it'll it'll make perfect sense. And if they draft a guy in the first round, that also makes sense. I guess for me personally, I won't be surprised if they don't take a quarterback. But I guess that would be the most surprising if they just like actually do roll with Drew Locke. One hundred percent, everything you just said on the money. Yeah, I, that it's not that. Okay, would you take Willis and – you're not going to be good this year, right? Let's say you're Seattle. You know you're not going to be great. So you're probably going to expect to have a top 10 pick. Do you really want to go out there and have your uh, have your young quarterback sit for that entire year and then you have a top 10 pick and instead of sucking and getting a quarterback that next year, you build up and hope that Willis is the guy that, you know, yeah, you prayed he would be, even though you could have traded up all the three spots to get Stroud or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh, Drew Locke will probably be their quarterback. They're breaking your brain right now. This is great. Yeah, you are. I don't <laughs> this the Seahawks team, because there's so many different ways that it can go, you know? They could sell the sell the farm even more than they have and get rid of DK and Tyler or either or. Yeah, they could get rid of Jamal Adams, 
Quandre Diggs. You know, there's still pieces on that team that they could get value from. I just – do they stick with them and try to win as many games as they can, sell the farm, and just accept that they're going to not be great? Right. The, the confusing thing they did was they traded Russell Wilson, which it by itself wasn't confusing, but you were like, okay, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to get one of these quarterbacks on these rosters that the team is ready to move on. They're going to plug them in, and they're just going to roll with the same team. Or they're going to start, yeah, selling off the, some of these other pieces. Maybe not everybody. It's not quite the NBA where you can trade eight guys from your rotation last year and be okay. The NFL team's not going to trade eight starters, you know, in one offseason. That's just not going to happen. There's too many guys. There's too many places to play. Um, again, a guy like PKL is not going to want to coach up all these new starters every single year. So I wasn't expecting that. But, yeah, you would kind of expect – Okay, yeah, maybe maybe we keep DK because he's young, but Tyler is an expensive receiver with no good quarterback. We're going to trade him. Um, Bobby Wagner, they let go. But yeah, Jamal Adams still kind of on the team. Oh, excuse me, on the team. They didn't really do anything else. So it's kind of, yeah, do, do they just have an evaluation on Drew Locke where they're like, this guy can come in and play right now? I don't know. Or they're just sitting back, chilling, playing the long game like we're saying is the right move. So maybe we're just the geniuses here, Absolutely. which isn't which isn't likely. And they're just like, eh, we'll get the quarterback next year. Pete will take one year of Drew Locke, and we won't get Malik Willis, and we'll just put all our eggs in, in a quarterback basket for next year. And, you know, only time will tell if that's the case. So with that, I'm bored of the Seahawks. I don't want to talk about the Seahawks anymore. <laughs> this, this next team that I'm honestly actually kind of bored of as well, which is why we saved them to the end. So sorry, Cardinals fans. But the Arizona Cardinals – is where we're going next. Where they where we left off last year. They went eleven and six. They started seven and zero, essentially like they did the year before. They lost five of their last six, if you include that wild card loss to the Rams. Um, the the wagon really, you know, the wheels fell off the wagon for sure. And I wish we could even say it's because Kyler got hurt and Colt McCoy had to come in. But Colt McCoy won his games, and then you know DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, and that kind of jacked up the offense, and then. Rondell Moore wasn't quite where, where they thought he was. And then the defense, because it was older and had a really good start to the year, they kind of showed their age. J.J. Watt got hurt. Team kind of sputtered, fell apart, and, and we saw how it went. Where are you, before we even get into the roster moves, just where are you at on the Cardinals in terms of last couple of years, they start hot and then kind of fall off. And then you had all the Kyler Murray drama, non-drama earlier in the offseason. Where are you at with the Cardinals just in general based on where we left them off last season? Yeah, they're another one of those weird teams, man, because they can beat any given team on any given day, and they can also get blown the hell out by any team on any given day. You know, so I'm looking at their roster right now. I, I really liked them last year. I was like, okay, they, they could be legitimate contenders because you looked at the receiving core and then you looked at their defense and it, everything was clicking. I'm looking at it right now and, you know, they've obviously got Hopkins, they've got more, and then, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Andy Isabella, uh, Antoine Wesley, I don't know. That's going to be – that's going to have to be a position that they pick up on uh, because Kyler, he kind of showed last year he needs his weapons. 
and especially if D-Hop is down. You can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and especially not whenever that you're putting your eggs in the wide receiver basket because they can get hurt on a dime, whether they're getting hit stick by a safety or a non-contact injury running a route. So you need to have depth, and that's something that they lack right now. Uh, I I like Kyler Murray. I I, th- I personally think he's a top ten quarterback in the league. Uh, you probably bottom five, but still top ten nonetheless. See, they're so, they're they're a weird weird team because they've got stars on both sides of the ball, and there are games where they just look like okay, these guys are you know contenders. These guys are you know near favorites at this point. And then they just kind of fall off, like you said, towards the end. And that's what happened. There's been speculation that it's on Kingsbury. Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think has been kind of the uh, the center of the downfall? I think you see this happen with teams. And I'm trying to think of the, the next best comparison. But and it, I think it happens more in the NBA it's- where – Kyler Murray came in and we knew he was a star right away. And this is just kind of what happens with big stars. We have big expectations and we think that just means the team is going to be great. And the Cardinals have kind of proven, although they've had some success in the last 20 years, they've proven they don't really always measure up to the level of their star players. Think of all the years that it was, you know, we talked about Allen Robinson at the top of this Think about all the years that Larry Fitzgerald was the, hashtag free Larry, right? From whatever quarterback he had. Yeah. Um, they start, they go five and 10 in his rookie year. They go eight and eight in his second year and they go nine and five in his third year, or at least with him at, at quarterback. Um, they are building up pretty slowly. And that's kind of the progression you expect for a young team, you know, who was three and 13 the year before when they got Kyler. Coming off of last year, I guess if it weren't for the fact that they started 7-0 and and it weren't for the fact that they then had a you know dumpster fire end of the season, I think we'd say that this was probably what we expected of them, right? Um, Kyler Murray's third year, Cliff Kingsbury's also third year, really, really terrible team when those two came in, and they've steadily improved each year, you know, 5-10. and 10, eight and eight and then 11 and six and you get in the playoffs and you lose in the first round to the eventual Super Bowl champions. That's pretty good. You know, that's not, I mean, nobody that's that competitive is going to be like, Oh, we're satisfied with that. But in terms of from the outside looking in, it's what you would expect. Yeah. It wasn't a failure of a season. Right. And, and I mean, I'm going back to 2020 even, and they started, what's that five and two. All right. So again, not seven and oh, but when you start five and two, that creates some expectations. And then you finish eight and eight. And then you start seven and oh the next year and you finish eleven and six. So yeah, the endings aren't great, which to me is because you know you're just not at that level yet. You have a third year NFL head coach, you have a third year NFL quarterback. Um this year, the seven and oh start was really because of that defense. And that defense was so good because they were a bit older. And so you would expect there to be. To, to be some fall off when you get to the end of the season. And yeah, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. So we created a lot of drama around it. 
But in reality, there probably isn't that much drama. And then, of course, you end the year with the Instagram and the contract and the agent weird, you know, newsletter and then the coach and GM getting contract extensions. And yeah, that just fuels the fire a little bit. But in terms of on field product and what's happening from year over to year, it doesn't feel that strange. Um, now to kind of talk about the direction they're headed with their ins and outs, I think is interesting because out our linebacker, Jordan Hicks, who played their most snaps at linebacker last year out are obviously edge rusher, rusher Chandler Jones out wide receiver, Christian Kirk out running back, Chase Edmonds out guard slash center, Max Garcia, who towards the end of the year had really struggled. Um, they essentially replaced him with Will Hernandez from the giants who's solid they bring in linebacker Nick Vigil, who's kind of a veteran rotational linebacker, which I think is the way they want to go. I think they want to rely on their young linebackers now. Um, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, both top first round picks the last two years. I think they're ready to move in that direction, which is why they let Hicks go. Um, let Edmonds go maybe, and bring back James Conner. Maybe they're going to give him more of a workhorse feature back kind of role. Um just swap interior offensive linemen. They let Christian Kirk go. Is that because they want Rondell Moore to take a bigger step? So yeah, some interesting things happening, but again, not anything that I necessarily think, wow, this moves the needle one way or another. So again, when you talk about that team building year over year progression, they just didn't change that much. So I guess when you have a start quarterback and a rising head coach, you would think, we still expect us to just kind of go up status quo and be a better team this year. But if you fall flat on your face, then it's going to be pretty embarrassing. So also still on the market from their team. Um, it, really the only other big name is, is AJ green. He played, ended up playing about 75% of the snaps last year. They brought back Antoine Wesley, who you mentioned, who actually played more than Rondell Moore. So it seems like they might think between, Moore, Wesley, and Hopkins, that's a pretty good trio. They brought back Zach Ertz, who had a good impact on them at the end of the year. Um, what do you what do you think about the moves, the, the ins and outs? Is there is it a net positive, negative, neutral? What do you, what do you think? Uh, uh, I'd say it's relatively neutral. Um, I think they I think they should grab uh, AJ Green back. I think mm -hmm. he was a really dynamic piece to their offense because whenever Hopkins wasn't there, he kind of, I don't want to say he filled that role, but he, he tried to make up for it. If that makes any sense. At least that veteran player who can kind of, yeah, exactly. knows what he's supposed to do and you know what you're getting from him week in week out. I think, oh, shoot. I think uh, you haven't asked me yet, but I, I think the Cardinals could be, uh, be right back in it next year this roster in terms of competing yeah definitely yeah again I if you take all of, the drama sure. and the expectations out of it and you just look at how teams naturally progress yeah you would expect them to and they haven't really lost i mean chandler jones i do want to talk about um how that affects their defense but talking about aj green as you mentioned um i'm doing a very crude little research here okay and and here, the thing with wide receivers is you want to have different body types. You want to have different skill sets. Uh, it's almost like, you know, this is a popular comparison. Now I think it originally came from Daniel Jeremiah, but it's, a, it's almost like you're putting a basketball team together. I need a, I need a 
little guy who can shift around and do this. I need a big guy who can be a jump ball guy. I need a medium guy who can be a route runner, that sort of thing. You want to put that team together. AJ Green, really great research here. 6'4", 207 pounds. Antoine Wesley, 6'4", 206 pounds. All right. Uh, Christian Kirk, 5'11", 200 pounds. Rondell Moore, 5'7", 180 pounds. So a little on the smaller side. But when you think about putting this team together, these offensive weapons, it, it they could do more, but it feels like they're being very obvious and saying these are kind of the skill guys we're, we're looking for for next year. Um, and in terms of how that kind of goes into what the expectations for this team are, it seems like it's supposed to be status quo. What do you think about now, you know, Saban Collins is a guy I really like. He only, he played like less than a third of the snaps last year. They did something very similar with Isaiah Simmons when they drafted him in 2020, um, kind of work him in slow. And then he was a full-time starter last year. seems like Zayvon Collins is going to do the same thing with them letting Jordan Hicks walk. But Chandler Jones, I think if you look at all their moves, is the one that's the glaring, like what is going to happen here. So how do you think losing Chandler Jones affects this team? What do you think they're, are, are they going to, again, kind of like we talked about Von Miller, are they going to try to do the one-to-one -one replacement? Or they do you think they might just kind of switch up how they play defense? Uh, let's see. They've got Marcus Golden, mm -hmm. who I, I'm I don't want to say I'm a fan of, but I, I like his game. I think he could be just fine at an outside linebacker role. They've still got JJ Watt. So I mean, uh, and then everybody else will just kind of follow into wherever their best fit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, obviously you lose one of the best outside linebackers in the game. It's going to be tough and there's going to be, you know, production drop off, but I don't think it's anything to, you know, start scrambling for anything that, okay, well, we need to do this now. Uh, I, I think their defense is still, if they went out with what they've got today, I think they would be fine. I think they'd still be a top 15, top 10 defense, which is, you know, where you want to be with a mobile, you know, dynamic quarterback if you can get one thing going on one side of the ball and just hold on to the other then you'll be good and it's a good edge class um the, this draft class isn't kind of what you want if you're in a top 10 or top five kind of draft slate you know you're you're losing value there kind of being at one of those picks at that point but when you're talking back half of round one into day two the kind of guys you can get. There are plenty of guys at a lot of positions that you can get with those picks that, yeah, can come right in and be quality football players for you right away. So moving into, yeah, the the what they have in the draft, eight total picks, five of them, uh, though, are in the sixth or seventh round, but they have their, their first round, second round, and third round picks. So, yeah, you don't have a fourth or fifth round, which is a bummer, but you still have plenty of day three picks, but you have your normal day one, day two slate. And that's where you can get those extra things. Like you said, this roster is still good. This, again, all the drama around it makes us feel like something bad is going to happen. Um, especially when you're talking about in your division, you have the team that just won the Super Bowl and then the NFC NFC runner-ups in all in that division. You feel like there's a lot you have to do, but it's still a good team. They drafted Rondell Moore where they did for a reason you roll in with the 23rd, 55th, and 87th picks, and you get an edge guy, you get a receiver, and then, I don't know, whatever you want with that third pick. Um, 
you're probably still doing okay. And that's the benefit. And that's why you get these franchise quarterbacks because they elevate the rest of the team. And that's what kind of we were talking about with what Stafford's doing, what Jimmy may or may not be doing and what Seattle definitely is not doing right now. Um, so, I mean, you, you kind of said this, but overall expectations for you for next year with the Cardinals, a little up, a little down, kind of the same and any changes for you there? I'm going to say they'll be relatively the same, but more consistent. Yeah. Now that's kind of hard to say because they had multiple losses due to their inconsistency. Right. But I think, I think there'll just be a little bit more of a sense of, okay, we've been here before. Kyler, uh, that was his first playoff game. Yeah. Last season against the Rams. So, I mean, let the dude get some experience. You know, I don't, uh, you said something about whenever you were talking about the uh, expectations, the Bengals kind of came to mind for me. I don't know. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a great quarterback, but I just, a lot of team or a lot of people are like, have this Bengals team, you know, they, they've got the young receiving core and the young quarterback and revamped a line and they're about to run it back and they're going to, you know, be the next, I haven't seen anybody say the next dynasty, but you know what I mean? They're going to own it. I just have a hard time seeing that. That, uh, even just in that division, you know, you've got the Browns who, uh, Sean Watson, whenever he steps onto the field, he's going to be a difference maker. Uh, Pittsburgh, that defense is nothing to scoff at. That alone will win Pittsburgh games. And then the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, right after the Super Bowl that, oh, the Bengals are going to be so good for the next five years. That might not be the case. Just something to keep, you know, think about. Yep. And when it comes to, yeah, what, what Kyler was in his first few years, you also have to remember what he was playing against, right? Kyler came into a league where in his own division, he had Russell Wilson that he was playing twice a year. And then this past year, you add Matt Stafford to that. And you have a Jimmy G who we just, we just laid it out two of the last three years. He had this team competing for Super Bowls. Yeah. And those have been the three years Kyler Murray's been in the league. Outside of that division, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about Tom Brady. And we're talking about Drew Brees, those first couple of years of Kyler's career. Those are franchise-level quarterbacks that Kyler was facing off against and competing in the standings with as a rookie, as a kid. Yeah. Now, to your to your point, talking about Burrow, that's kind of flipped. I mean, Wilson has gone to the AFC. Um We'll see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, obviously, Brady came back from his retirement, but the NFC is softening up a little bit while the AFC is getting much, much tougher. Um, and with that, yeah, expectations should be for this team to get a little bit better. And yeah, maybe, like you said, just more consistent. So maybe instead of go 7-0, and but then 4-6 and in your last 10, maybe you still go 11-6, and but it's because you're just like, you win three, you lose one. You win three, you lose one. You win exactly. two, you win, you know, whatever. And I think even that, the getting the highs and lows all kind of in together instead of ride really high and then fall, crash, and burn, 
is is more what I'm looking for the Cardinals to do. Now, will that be enough for them? Probably not. This is a team that gave up on Josh Rosen after a year to get Kyler Murray. So I'm sure their expectations are also, you know, sky high, Super Bowl or yeah. bus kind of deal. But again, considering they haven't made any big plus additions to this team to this point, you would think our expectations should equal what they've produced. And it's been a slow build and a slow go even this offseason. So would I consider another 11 and six season where they get to the playoffs and maybe a little more competitive in the wild card game or maybe even win a game a bus? No, that's a good year. And then just kind of keep adding and keep building from there. Um, for this whole whole division, any any closing thoughts, anything you want to hit? I definitely think we talked more about these other teams than we expected. But uh, yeah, any, definitely. Anything, anything you want to hit for for this division as a whole? I don't think so. I think we covered most of it. I uh, it's going to be interesting, man, because the NFC West has been considered, you know, the the top division in football. It, it lost that title definitely now, but. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes because, you know, the Ram, Rams, Cardinals, or 49ers have a damn good shot to get the first, you know, spot in the division. And then the other two could get in the wild card. And you can't put money on who, who's going to win. You know, I uh, each team matches up against each other differently. The 49ers have been the Rams kryptonite up until the NFC championship. And I would probably say that that's likely to continue just because, I mean, this game, they really had to pull it out or that game, not this game. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know how the NFC West is going to shape up. And I guess that's why it's so exciting is because, all three are damn good teams, and then the Seahawks, <laughs> and, then, and then the Seahawks, and that's and perfect. That's that's right where we're where we're gonna end. Ronan, man, thank you so much for being here again. It was such a pleasure to to go through all this and talk with you. And yeah, we gave we gave the listeners a little more than I think any of us bargained for. We were on snap counts for 49ers defensive backs, and that's how you know we got into the nitty gritty. Um, everyone, be sure to go check out. Ronan's work on the site on phantomsportsofficial.com. Be sure to follow and listen to the Iron Grid podcast. Is that on? I have it on Spotify. Are you? And where else is it? Uh, Apple or Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Perfect. So go check that out. It, it's a good listen. Um, and be on the lookout. Like I said, tomorrow night we'll be with Ben Parker doing a live first round mock draft. And be on the lookout for more mock drafts from myself. Uh, and more content coming at you uh, for all things football. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Ronan, for being here. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Anytime.